sun is shining. It's a beautiful winter, Pat. All is right with the world after our Euro draw yesterday. Well, Look at me quizzically. Well, it was the sun shining part that got <laughs> me. Well, the sky is kind of blue at the uh, little cell window we have here in the basement in the Irish Times. So you're happy with the draw, are you? Well, I mean... As we can hear from a clip, it could have been so much worse. <laughs> this is uh, the, in the convention centre in Dublin yesterday, the draw for the Euro 2020 qualifiers. And we're about to find out who gets drawn into the same group as the Netherlands and Germany. Republic of Ireland. Republic of Ireland. So the Republic of Ireland is uh, not the team in Group C, but our computer is telling us that they go to Group D. <laughs> And the, reason, and the reason is that Republic of Ireland is another host and we have already two in this group. So. Ravi, happy with that? <laughs> happy with that? Ah, listen, it's, uh, every game is, is obviously tough, so uh, we're certainly looking forward to it. And the next team should be the team for Group C, if it's not another host, of course. Northern Ireland. The Northern Ireland. So the other island gets uh, Group C. <laughs> Very lucky Group C with Netherlands and Germany, so the Northern Ireland. <laughs> so, Nuno, so you see, playing host uh, has some advantages. What we missed there in, a, in an audio medium is the reaction shots from Mick McCarthy looking kind of smiling wryly and Michael O'Neill trying to remain doik <laughs> in the face of adversity, the manager of the other Ireland. The other Ireland, yes, there is a lot to unpack there. And thankfully we have uh, Emmett Malone here, who you could clearly hear cheering in the background there. When uh, I, I fancied us against the Dutch and Germans, Malachi, I believe. All of this is clearly uh, a plot uh, that, that no matter how bad a football team we have, they're going to get us to the Euros by hook or by crook. You reckon, yeah? <laughs> we we can't. Why? 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 Why do they want to? Well, put it this way. Well, we can't. Yeah, we can't say that. Quality thing, football. Well, precisely. Yeah, th- things are are falling a little bit our way as as we go along here. So far, it's early days, Malik. Uh, uh, well, clearly, uh, as ever, the most optimistic time to be an Irish football fan is before any football. Yeah, is played, well, that's. Uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I was taking a bit of stick uh, from a couple of people on social media yesterday for being reasonably positive about the draw, but but it was. I mean, I I took quite some time to. Record cover from those few moments where uh, where it could have been the Netherlands and Germany and um, and then by, by late evening I had sort of recovered and then I saw the uh, the Northern Ireland fixture list mm. which consists of playing um, Estonia and Belarus home and away twice uh, up to the start of the summer and then facing into Germany and the Netherlands yeah. home and away twice <laughs> in the autumn which uh, should be uh, quite something I, I like I'm not 100% sure how these fixtures have worked out now because they used to they used to have a kind of month a month would pass and the... Uh, the um, It'd be a horse trading kind exactly, of Exactly, yeah, yeah. The federations would all meet in a hotel function room somewhere and there was it seemed to be an edge if you could get to Absolutely. host that meeting, yeah. you know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't quite know how you tendered for what you laid on, you know, for, for the other delegates uh, <laughs> to make uh, to make Dublin attractive over, over Berlin or wherever it was going to be. Well, remember, but, uh, was but it, it wasn't before the, the qualifying campaign when we had, was it Croatia and whoever, and we got... You know, we we were seen to have, the FAI were seen to have done a good day's work. Yeah, because they got Croatia in Lansdowne first. Yeah, these are these are probably going back over the last twenty years. Mm. The only days that uh, the FAI <laughs> got much credit. Like they always seem to they always seem to be handy enough at this sort of stuff. Like you know, getting people in the in in a Dublin hotel room as opposed to one in, <laughs> in them liquored up. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, and coming out with a fixture list which they with which they they they, they felt they could stand over as a trial. I have in my hand a piece yeah. of paper, <laughs> and now it seems to be done by TV. 
I, I guess. I, I'm not sure whether mm. uh, how much say, if any, the associations have, but the TV companies seem to pick where the games go. And um, and so it's interesting to see what they've thrown up because in both our case and... Um, both our case and uh, and Northern Ireland's, uh, we, we seem to be getting a lot of the what might be considered the more winnable games uh, out of the way early. So I'm not sure mm. whether they just want to mm. keep us in the competition for as long as possible. You were saying <laughs> that Mick McCarthy wanted, though, to start. Well, Mick McCarthy the explored a couple of different... Uh, because originally what he had done was held up his, his uh, 2002 campaign as um, as a model where, where they'd had two tough away games early on, drawn them both. And uh, and then found themselves in a quite strong position. But then, but then the point we were making to him was about the. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't it wasn't immediately sequential. You know, there was a bit of time before we came back to the subject. We were making the the point that because he was in a five team group, he had these uh, he had these friendlies. There was going to be two friendlies. So so because the four teams for for, for people who, who haven't been following it. Um, the four teams who have qualified for the semi-finals of the uh, Nations League, which are not to be mixed up with the playoffs, the qualification playoffs in the Nations League. But How could you se- possibly mix Yeah, those? I know. The semi-finals of the Nations League, will, which will take part, place in June, and the Netherlands are one of those four teams, and um, and they they are not available for those, for those dates. So we're in a five-team group as opposed to a six-team group. But that means that everybody, you know, because there's not a number of teams in the group, means everybody will have a couple of friendly dates now in, in our group. And uh, apart from the Dutch, obviously, who, whose dates will go on those uh, those semifinals and finals. And so we were saying to him, like, maybe, you know, you could get in a friendly or two early on in the group, maybe with that work for you. Now, this is before the fixtures were announced. And he was kind of going, yeah, yeah, well, you know, that's fine. You know, like, OK, on the one hand, that'd be good. But, but what if we win the first game, you know? And what if we win the second game, you know? And then you're going to want to keep the momentum going. And he was outlining that. And obviously, us winning, right, you know, the year that's in it like us winning our first game and a winner second game <laughs> and it's slightly fanciful but um, but uh, yeah you could see a logic to it you know and that's and that is how, how it's turned out I think you know because uh, the way the fixtures are you know you would certainly be looking to take six points in, in March I mean not saying they're going to do it but you that's know against Georgia and Gibraltar that's against Georgia and Gibraltar yeah. Gibraltar away Georgia at home I mean those are two games where it would be you know a pretty big dent early on to the campaign if we don't win both of those and then you've got you know Denmark away where you know if you're going into them with a bit of confidence back in the team and a bit of momentum you would certainly be hoping for a draw I don't think we've drawn you know for uh, for the calamity that was the 5-1 defeat at home we have drawn three of the four games been outplayed in a couple of them quite badly but still drawn them score, held them scoreless and, and, and Denmark you know in a couple of those games really didn't you know test our goalkeeper that, that severely oddly for all the you know try, okay obviously this is glass half full stuff here but um, and then you go into uh, and then you go into uh, the, the second game against Gibraltar and you go into the summer with 10 points okay you've played you've played three your three easiest games you know you've played one of your you rivals away, away but um, whiter teeth oh. take advantage of Candid's written- I, I gotta say uh, Maliki uh, <laughs> it's usually the guests that do that sort of stuff you know not the pros yeah I have no idea what happened. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's it. So yeah, look, it's a, it's a, you know, obviously it's a kind of, uh, it's a positive scenario, but uh, you know, it's not, you know, but it's, it's, it's conceivable that that's the way it'll go, and um, and I think you're going into a tough autumn, not quite as tough as Northern Ireland's, but um, but you're going into a tough, uh, a tough autumn with uh, some wins under the under the belt. McCarthy back in the seat, kind of fairly comfortably, knowing his options, know more about the team he has, and. Um, and a bit of confidence going, and and I think I think that's a fairly decent scenario. Mm. I mean, look, it could have been you could you could look at the second you could look at the second tier teams and um, uh, yesterday and certainly say that there, there there's a couple of them who you might have fancied a bit more yeah. um, than Denmark. But um, and the but but for me the Dutch 
they may, they may. It's not, it's, it's, it's far from certain. They've been really impressive over the last uh, year, year and a half. Um, but um, after a very poor, slu- poor, poor spell. But they m- may turn out to be, uh, sorry, the Swiss, I'm sorry. I'm the getting, Swiss, uh, indeed. Sorry, the yeah, Swiss, yeah. The Swiss um, but the Swiss may turn out to be this year's Austria, you know, a team that everyone thought were kind of world beaters, you know, for, for a year and a half there. And then just for some reason, which nobody can, uh, can quite completely explain, certainly outside the country, the chemistry just stops happening, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, um, and the Danes, you know, as I say, we, we, we shouldn't be, I, I don't think, you know, if we're going to qualify for a tournament like this, then those are the sort of teams we have to show a dramatic improvement. And explain, I don't agree with any complaints. Explain here. for us slow learners, what's the, the path to the Euros? Top two, top, top two. two. But there is a there is a playoff option. Yeah, I don't think we can, I don't league. think we can do that in a in a in a, a <laughs> in a strictly audio environment. We need a whiteboard. We need people who refer to websites. We need to talk them through. What you I'm know? saying is that that if we even if we don't finish in the top two here, it's still not. We are almost necessary. certainly going to have a playoff uh, through the Nations League. Yeah, okay. and um, and bizarrely. In that we um, we may be rewarded for doing really badly and right uh, so. yeah. by being yeah, bumped yeah, quite up right. by being bumped up to the A League playoffs, the yeah. higher league, league playoffs, where all the good teams will be gone, yeah. and so we will be playing other teams who did quite poorly in League B. Yeah. Whereas Wales, who did better than us, may be bumped up to the League B playoffs, where some of the better teams from League so B. So as may, I say, may it's essentially all a, a, a Machiavellian plot. It's a triumph, Malky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Great week for John Delaney, uh, all, all told. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Or, or if it doesn't all work out, a bad week for the board. John Delaney is, like you said, he's proven himself to be some kind of a football genius with the way all, all this has worked out. He had his Twitter-proof um, managerial appointments and mm. then he got us out away from Germany and Netherlands. But he's going to be called before the tourism um, and sport committee in the new year to discuss things oh, by say that's going to ruin his Christmas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do you think it'll will like as we know he's made of Teflon will it make any difference to it all Catherine Murphy was saying that she wanted to quiz him on some of the money being spent at the highest levels that was therefore not available to the grassroots will Will any of this knock a spot off him? I wouldn't have thought so, no. I mean, I've been at the last two uh, committee. You were there so last time. I, we, yeah. we were, the yeah. parents were there the last time and it was pitiful. It was absolutely pitiful. Um, there was to be th- fair to Catherine Murphy, Catherine herself Cat- and the Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin woman, from, yeah, Amanda yeah, Munster, yeah, yeah. were, yeah, they were, were good. They, but, well, God, good might be overstated. Okay, well, think, it was a low bar, were, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. But they came out of it with 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 some with some credibility. Um, they touched on things. I mean, I was, I, you know, even even Captain Murphy, she would ask a couple of questions, and then when 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 Delaney deflected, she didn't really have enough knowledge of the situation to, next, to, yeah. to follow up or how to pin him down. The others were just it was embarrassing. Um, quite a few of them, uh, including one or two with a background in sport, uh, they were listing off questions. So what happened was that. Um, the F, the F, Delaney had come up with an engagement that he had back in Abbottstown, so he had to kind of squeeze this in and get away uh, while the other two chief executives uh, sat, you know, stayed on. And TDs just rattled off questions, like five, six at a time. And Delaney got to kind of note them down and give one-line replies. It was it was absolutely pitiful stuff. John Amani, uh, at one stage, asked some sort of vaguely threatening question and then, and then excused himself from it, distanced himself from his own question, That's saying, right. well, it's only what I read in the <laughs> it's media. It's only what I hear, yeah. Uh, it was, oh, it was terrible. So, look, I don't know. I mean, I, I like to think Catherine Murphy will have kind of learned something from last time. Um, 
it would be far better. I know that, uh, like, you know, we've seen how these committees can work at the PAC at some stage, but even there, there's so much grandstanding goes on. Mm-hmm. And with the, with, with, the, um, with the sports committee last time, what you got really was a sense that a lot of these people wanted to knock on doors come election time and went, yes, I put that very topic to, uh, to John Delaney myself. Right. Obviously, he didn't answer or he rattled off 10 seconds of acknowledging the question. And I uh, once he told, he, he was asked about the, um, the kind of, uh, you know, unhappy employees out in the FAI, of which there are quite a few. And, uh, and he talked about how, and, and they had had pay cuts and their pension had been decimated. And there was still a dispute going on as to, you know, the FAI's failure to honour its uh, promises to restore, the, you know, all the things that have been taken away. And he told the committee rather grandly, for, this is the man, of course, on 360 grand a year, plus untold expenses because they are never they are never revealed despite all the talk about transparency out there, plus now 100 grand a year from FAI, from UEFA, plus expenses from there, plus God knows what else. And he told the, the, the committee rather grandly that the people in the FAI know how lucky they are to yeah. work in football. It's not about <laughs> money to them. Emmett, thanks a million for that and uh, thanks for everything. That's been a pleasure. Of the year. Cheers. Speaking of suave gentlemen coming in to face a grilling, uh, Johnny Watterson is here, Pat. Yes, he is indeed. <laughs> hey, Johnny. Thank you for that. Good morning. Yeah, no problem. You, you won't know, but that's you being uh, uh, compared to John Delaney. So. <laughs> Johnny, uh, we're terrified. Uh, our most successful Olympic sport uh, is not going to be in the Olympics. Uh, boxing is, is in trouble. Or, te- or, or tell me that it isn't. Well, boxing is in trouble, but when is boxing never not in trouble? Uh, the Olympics, probably there will be a boxing tournament just from listening to what the IOC are saying. What they don't want to happen is for all the officials and the executive committee of the International Boxing Association to organise it mm. and to run it. Uh, they don't want to hurt athletes. They've said that over and over and over again. But the problem they, ha- they face now... And they said over the weekend that they weren't planning to have boxing in Tokyo, which is up in the ante Mm. with the Boxing Federation. They could organise it themselves, but they'd have to also organise the qualifying procedures, which is a complex uh, issue. It's also more complex for Tokyo because there are now five weight divisions in women. Mm. Women's boxing, they haven't had that before, so that would merit change in the, the women's qualification process. So you're talking about qualification tournaments all over the continents. The qualification process from European World Championships and the qualification process from WSB World Boxing Series, which is something mm. no one's really heard of, but it's a way into the Olympics. Yeah. <clears throat> so it, it's an, an outrageously complex thing for them to take on um, that AIBA, for all their faults, of course, are used to. Uh, but this has been coming. Like AIBA have been the, the sort of the, the runt of the litter for a long time now. Oh, absolutely. This isn't the first year they've had financial problems. After Athens, they've they had financial issues. The KPMG, who looked at their books between 2016 and 2017, uh, recommended a criminal lawyer should be brought in. Mm. Um, they're now in a position where the new president, uh, Gafur Rakimov is his name, from Uzbekistan, allegedly has ties with criminal networks in Asia. He said that there was a 40 million deficit when he was elected president this year. Uh, he also said, it's OK, I've tidied it up. 
and that's where we sit. Um, <laughs> well, the problem solved. This guy sounds fantastic. Exactly. He, he magicked it away. <laughs> now, one of the things he did was that there was a Chinese businessman called Di Wu who, who invested 19 million euros into the International Boxing Association. He wanted his money back. And they smoothed that over by instead putting him on the executive. So we have we have a case where sponsors stroke uh, marketing people who have invested in boxing cannot be paid back. So the payoff there is that they put them on the executive board right. and they try and repay them with, with uh, promoting their products. Uh, but no one actually knows the details of how this works. And as KPMG have recommended that a criminal lawyer look at their books rather than a forensic accountant, the IOC have stepped in and said, guys, this this isn't right. Also, so in, the la oh, sorry, also in the last month, the Swiss bank that Aiba banked with have told them they've to, to close their account that they're, they don't want the reputational risk of holding their money. You've got to ask yourself when the Swiss banks don't want a PCA. Exactly, and they're based in Switzerland, which is makes more difficult. Apparently, the money is now in Serbia. <clears throat> so this is this is what has forced the IOC's hand. Like this isn't. It's not down to. I I know I know that you know judging irregularities and all that sort of stuff has been mentioned in dispatches, but it's more this. It's more the money side of it. I think the refereeing from Rio also. And the judging in Rio, if, if you remember that all the judges were sent home. Now, many of those judges have filtered back into the system um, and people aren't happy about that because there was no uh, real no clean out or consequences or any serious plan to, to address that problem that they had. But the money is the big thing and they, they just don't have a leg to stand on at the moment. I know people would get bored listening to where all the money's going in the, the, these numbers. But as it stands, the, the current president said he's sorted it all out. They're no longer 40 million in debt. It's okay. But the IOC simply don't believe that. And that's what they want to have a look at that. If the IOC don't have um, their, their fears assuaged, where does that leave people like Kelly Harrington and Joe Ward? Is Are they likely to be able to compete? Yeah, that Certainly that was the point brought out by John Tracy last week, who this chief executive of Sport Ireland, that it's one thing the IOC saying that they will organise a boxing competition in Tokyo for the athletes who they keep, they repeat that they don't want to hurt in this. But the qualification process for Kelly Harrington hasn't been sorted out yet. The qualification process for Joe Ward is unknown. So we're, well, two years out, less than two years out, and that still isn't known. So that that is a fear, a worry for the athletes that just the uncertainty and that athletes like certainty, like because the targets, their, their target setting, and, scheduling, yeah, etc. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they probably know the qualification process, which, you know, prior to Rio, for example, Katie went to a qualification process called the European Olympic qualification process. It was in Turkey. She was beaten in Turkey, but she had the second chance at the World Championships in Astana. She won the bronze medal in Astana and that qualified her for Rio. But as I say, there are five weight divisions, so no one knows if it's going to be a similar process or a different process. And that's one of the problems that the athletes face, that they just don't know. And is there a ticking clock on this? As 
Well, yes, there is. And a lot of people are saying that the, the IOC investigation that they're carrying out at the moment over the governance and the money, they will report back in June of next year. So June of 2019. Like that a lot takes, of people are saying that's too late. Like that's, the, that's 25% of the time between yeah. now and, Rio, or and Tokyo. A lot of people are saying they need to do it faster than that. Whether they have the resources or the commitment from boxing to allow them to see what they want to see, nobody knows at this point. But I mean, the one positive thing if to take out of a very bleak landscape is that the IOC keeps saying they don't want to hurt the athletes, although they already have hurt the athletes. But you can see why. <clears throat> the history of, of sports going in and out of the Olympics, you know, it does change from Olympics to Olympics. You know, the schedule does change. But this would be a huge one. Like, I know I know it's big to us in, the, in this part of the world, but boxing has been part of the Olympics for 60 years, for, 70 years. You know? Yeah. Uh, oh, huge. I don't, think that, I don't think they're trying to do away with boxing. They just have grave reservations about this guy, uh, Gafur Rakimov. You know, he... He can't go to the U.S. because they won't let him in. The U.S. Treasury have prevented him from doing business in the U.S. There's reports now that Japan won't give him a visa to go to Tokyo if boxing is held. So there's serious issues with the president. And he's come on the back of a president who left in disgrace. Uh, His name was Dr. Wu. He left in disgrace because he took on 10 million euros to launch this WSB World Boxing Series, which was an effort by amateur boxing to get into the professional boxing. It was a money grab. Mm. So that 10 million wasn't accounted for. 4 million went missing. No one knows where it is. What did boxing do, amateur boxing do? They wrote off 4 million. How does that happen? So there's serious questions for amateur boxing to answer. And the IOC rightly won't give them the millions that they do give them. And they get millions every year from, yeah. from the IOC. They won't give them the money because they don't know where it's going. Because this, yeah, this is the thing that maybe <clears throat> people don't quite get about the IOC. The IOC is a, is a cash fund for, for, all, for all these sports. Huge cash fund. The last, I think the last amount uh, IABA got from the IOC was $4 million from television rights. So they're getting chunks of millions from the IOC. The IOC wanted to know what they're doing with it. Um, I must say the... the the cruel irony of this breaking in the week when Kelly Harrington becomes a, a world championship, a world champion. Irony is probably the, the wrong word, but I mean, I, I, I will cry salt tears for Kelly yeah. Harrington. If, like Kelly Harrington yeah. is 28, the, you know, hanging around for another four years, like she will be 30 uh, or turning 30 in Tokyo. That is her time. Absolutely. And if you look at what Kelly did and also what Joe did, Joe's hung around for two world championships and he's won silver medal in two world championships. And he's, he's spo- he spoke of going pro since he was a teenager. He still hasn't gone pro yet. He's, he's hung in. Kelly, the last world championships was, was a, a heavier weight division because Katie was there. So she made that, that decision to move down four kilos, which is a big decision in boxing. People don't think four kilos is a lot, but it is a lot. Paddy Barnes tried to do it and he found it difficult when he tried to go up four kilos. Uh, just because the weight, 49 kilos he was trying to make, was was brutal. But when he went up four kilos, he didn't have the power to face the fighters he had to face. And Kelly came down for to Katie's weight because Katie turned pro, and then she put in the hours, and now she's world champion. And just that, the whole process of her taking up boxing quite late at 16, mm. I think she was, um, 
fighting at the higher weight division, which wasn't in the Olympics, and making that difficult decision to to go to 60K and to try and qualify for Katie's old weight division, she's likely to do it because she's now a world champion. Uh, as you say, she'll be 30 in Rio, which I think Katie might have been 30. Uh, sorry, she'll be she's 30 in Tokyo. In Tokyo yeah. I think Katie might have been 30 in Rio. So there's, you know, Joe Ward as well. Um, this Cuban boxer has beaten him twice in the world finals. He, he'll be in Tokyo if, if the event goes ahead. Yeah. And again, it's probably if Joe can get, and obviously Joe, he bottomed out a little bit in Rio. Um, if he can fight the way he fights in an, in Olympic Games, he could get to a final. So it would be it would be drastically bad luck yeah. if, if this doesn't go ahead in Tokyo. Excellent. Well, we'll keep an eye on it as it goes along. And ho- hopefully there's uh, uh, something sorted even before June. As you say, June seems mm-hmm. such a long time away. I would, would have taken clock. But listen, thanks yeah. a million for coming in, Johnny. You're listening to the Irish Times. We are going to finish today, Pat, with uh, a not at all fun story. Uh, We're joined by um, resident American Dan Comer has been interning in the Irish Times for the last few months. Welcome in, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Dan, you've been doing our NFL roundup every uh, Monday morning in the on the website, uh, and it's been fantastic. But the story we're going to talk about here is outside of football, but obviously connected to football. Uh, we're going to talk about Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell the people who Kareem Hunt is. Uh, so Kareem Hunt is the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, who are leading the AFC, the American Football Conference. Um, he's been a star in the in his first two leagues, uh, his first two seasons in the league. Uh, and basically, he is now on the NFL's uh, indefinitely suspended list, and it's for a domestic violence uh, allegation, but then also there's been proof that's come out that's shown that he did indeed. So, yeah. to unpack this a bit, back in February, this was all known to a certain extent. Back in February, you, we were reading stories about Kareem Hunt had been involved in an altercation with his uh, with a woman, not his girlfriend. Right. It yeah. doesn't woman in a not that it matters one way or the yeah. other, but in, like with with a female. Um, and so this was sort of in the background through the start of the season. The Chiefs are an unstoppable team. They're they're you know favorites or second favorites for the Super Bowl, uh, and Kareem Hunt has been a massive part of that. Um, and then out of the blue, like last Thursday, last Friday, right. Turns out, A, he was put on the commissioner's exemption list, list, which is essentially a list that you put a player on to A, remove him from your team and B, stop him playing for anybody else for the rest of the season. Isn't that, as I understand it? The domino that fell to get him put on that list was that TMZ found and released the video of the altercation in the hotel corridor. And therefore, uh, and then subsequently to him going on that list, uh, the Chiefs released him. Right. Okay, And so he's gone from the Chiefs, uh, and basically if you look at the video, it's you know clear he did that. He did absolutely uh, commit domestic violence. Now, the Chiefs at the time were told by Kareem Hunt that it didn't happen, or some version of it wasn't the truth. Now they're coming back and saying they're not necessarily releasing him because of the incident, but yeah. more so because he lied. That's what I couldn't get over over the yeah. weekend, what they were saying, you know, that he was less than truthful or less than honest with us. Right. And therefore, we, we are releasing him. Right. And I think the, the big thing here is sort of the power of video. Mm-hmm. Um, you wonder in, like, the preseason when all this was going on, 
Uh, why, why did the NFL not get that video? Why did the NFL not even interview Kareem Hunt? Um, how did they just trust the Chiefs? And then on the Chiefs' side is like, what did they want to know? Did they want to know that Kareem Hunt actually did this, or did they just want to know like, the video, we can't get it, no one can get it? Well, TMZ got it, and now they release it, and everyone's sitting here like, well, what could we have done better? And the Chiefs are saying, okay, well, now we're going to just release him immediately, and we'll let you guys exchange your jerseys. But clearly there's a flawed sort of uh, culture in the NFL where it's a reactive one. Uh, they only react once a video is released, and then the fans react. The echoes to to the Ray Rice case from four years ago are, are clear here. I mean, I, I, anybody that was reading this the last couple of days who has any interest in, in the NFL, Ray Rice pings to, to their brain. So, so just explain what happened with Ray Rice. Right, so in 2014, uh, in February of that year, uh, there was basically like this report, video came out of Ray Rice dragging his then-fiancé out of a hotel um, elevator. elevator, right? And so then he was put on a two-game suspension. They had this big uh, press conference where his fiance even apologized for her action, um, which did not send a good message. The NFL didn't seem to get it. People were there's this public outcry, um, but basically he was going to be on a two-game sus- suspension. Uh, in September of that year, many months later, the video, the full video, is released. Inside the lift. Right, and so that's where Ray Rice is actually punching and knocking out uh, his then fiance. Then you see the dragging. Um, that day, the Ravens released him, um, and that day he was basically put on indefinite suspension, and he never played a game. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played a game since then. Uh, what that sort of set the president, then the NFL said, oh, well, now we're going to initiate an immediate six-game suspension uh, for anyone accused or convicted of domestic violence with mitigating factors there as well to where they can extend or decrease the suspension based on new evidence coming forward. The issue here is that the NFL always waits, it seems, for the video to come out. They wait for the public outcry to do something. They're never proactive. It seems like they're always reactive. Uh, And they've just seemed to to really mess this situation up multiple times and they don't seem to get it. Um, You'd think after the Ray Rice fiasco, They would be very proactive in making sure they got that video. You're the NFL. You're the most wealthy sport in the United States. How can TMZ get this video other than it just being a matter of effort? And I don't know. I don't know about the sourcing. I don't know how that goes. But if you're the NFL, you have private investigators that you hire for matters like this. How do you not get that video? Um, That's astonishing. Well, even beyond the video, uh, Dan, as you rightly point out, they didn't even talk to Kareem Hunt. Right. You know, uh, I mean, uh, on, at a certain level, I was thinking about this over the weekend, at a certain level, uh, it's possible to have a little bit of sympathy for the league. You know, uh, okay, their their bottom line is to protect their business. Uh, are they really in the, the business of, you know, hunting down security tapes by fair means or foul, you know, as, uh, as I guess uh, media organisations can get away with? Uh, but to not sit down with the player. To not investigate him properly is an enormous dereliction of duty. Uh, well, and it seems like one of these things where if this guy wasn't who he was, I mean, if he wasn't this star player who was a Pro Bowl his rookie year, led the league in rushing, and you have to wonder. The, par- the parallels with Ray Rice there are, are, are right. quite eerie, actually, because 
exactly. Ray, Ray Rice or Kareem Hunt, they're not sort of nobody left tackles. Right. These are these are running backs, the second most visible guys on their team, and they're phenomenal players. And so that feeds into this as well. You know that they exactly as you said. How much did the NFL want to know? How much did the Chiefs want to know? And it's clear that they didn't want to know that that happened. Maybe they said they wanted to know the truth or some version of the truth, but they didn't want that to be the result. And I think that skewed their actions in this case. Um, you look at it and, and they kind of, they definitely, I mean, at the NFL, they have to move forward from this and stop making the same mistake. I mean, that's clear. They need to do more on the front end investigating because when it comes out later on that someone else can get access to this and then release it, and you look at their process, not even speaking to him, that's egregious. I mean, point blank, that's egregious. Um, and then you also, they say, oh, well, we tried to reach out to the victims and that sort of thing, but uh, I don't know. You look at it, egregious, can't happen. Um, an embarrassment for the league, embarrassment for the Chiefs, honestly. They, they should have done more in the front as well. Like, you trust your players, sure. Um, but what if your player's lying? People lie all the time. Uh, and especially if it's their livelihood. Kareem Hunt said in an ESPN interview over the weekend, you know, he's worked his whole life for this. You know, the, this was his way out, essentially. Mm. And, you know, if he thinks that a video might not be out there, he thinks that the video is safe, he's going to, you know, who wouldn't, you know, try to take that risk and say, oh, no, there's nothing out there. You can't find it. And then, I mean, I don't know. Now the Chiefs, Kareem Hunt, they're all sort of... The Chiefs even have priors, have priors in this instance, don't they? That uh, Tyreek Hill... Right been in electrifying form for them all the season. They drafted him after he was after he pled guilty to a domestic violence issue when he was in Oklahoma State. Right. And that was he was drafted in the fifth round. A lot of teams were not going to touch him. Um and that domestic violence case, he punched his pregnant girlfriend in the stomach, um, sat on her face. It was it was absolutely brutal. And they still drafted him. Uh, you know, there's something to be said. Uh for just the teams that say, no, we're absolutely not going to touch this guy. We're not going to even look at these guys. And there are other players as well. Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, there's a video of him, you know, committing domestic violence. The question is, I wonder with Tyreek Hill, if there was video of that, would he be leading the league in touchdowns today? I think we, we have to, Well, you wonder if... You would think he'd be a pariah. You'd think he'd be a pariah. You'd think he'd never play a game in the NFL. And that does, again, speak to sort of the power of the video evidence and then the public outcry. Um, the public really does dictate every move the NFL seems to make. Uh, and that, to me, uh, is embarrassing, frankly. There were rumors that um, Hunt could be picked up on a waiver even this week. Um, it's, it, like you said, it does depend on whether teams deem him that they can touch him or not, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know, I think what I've read is that no team is going to pick him up. This um, season or ever? This season, at least, there's, he's going to pass through the waiver wire. No team's going to pick him up. I don't think anyone sort of wants to deal with the public relations nightmare right now, and there's still so much that needs to be unpacked. Is he going to go through counseling? What, what steps is he going to go through? That would be the, the, You deal with the PR of that in the offseason. Right. You, you don't do, want to deal do, that in the playoff. That, yeah, push. you do yeah. that in the summer right. uh, when everybody's watching different sports and it's right. a two-day story. That's R- what they do. Right, and the other thing is while, the chief, while, while Kareem Hunt is like a special player at running back, the running back position has also been devalued in the NFL. Um, it's not something where teams are thinking, you know, does the risk outweigh the reward? And in this case, I think right now as it stands – no team's going to pick him up immediately, but if you look at it, the guy's 23 in his second season. He's been a pro bowler uh, this season. He's leading um, running backs and receiving touchdowns. 
the guy is a talent on the field, and it's shown the NFL shown once he goes through the process, someone will pick him up. There is no doubt. Right, no doubt yeah, at all. Just look at, Next well, season, maybe we'll look, see. Who's who, who's who's the star running back for the Redskins? Redskins. Oh, Adrian Peterson. Adrian right. Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what so, happened, to Adrian Peterson? Like three years ago, he, four years ago. It was what he was beating his children with beating sticks, right? Sticks, and yeah. then even recently, he came out and said, "Yo, I still hit my children." It's just man, these tone deaf. Tone deaf guys, like I don't. At the time, you know, it was it was basically, you know, there was headlines: Adrian Peterson abusing his children, like that. Those were the headlines, right? And now he's back in the league, and you know, hailed as this great comeback story. Hey, you know, look at AP, what a guy! You know, he still got it. He still got it. You know, people forget. Absolutely no doubt, Hunt will will play in the league. He'll have a, whatever, a six-game suspension or something like that for the start of next season or something like that. But he, you know, we're going to see him play in the, in the league again. Absolutely. Daniel, thank you so much for coming in and helping us out with that. Uh, thanks to Johnny, who was in earlier, and Emmett, who was also in earlier. Uh, thanks to Jenny and Deck behind the desk. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Bob. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you. Thanks.